Welcome back to the Extension Experience Podcast. My name is Trent Malachik. I'm Dana Zook. And Josh Bichon. Josh, we're coming into spring and you and I have spoken a lot about agronomy type topics and where the wheat crop is and with the drought situation and all these various things. And you've spent some time talking to Sun up here recently about the wheat crop condition. So why don't we just jump right into that? Uh, are we going to grow any wheat in Oklahoma this year? Well, we're grow wheat, right? Well, There's always wheat to be had. It has nine lives. I yeah. just don't know how many we've taken yet. Well, that's the truth. Um, obviously, it's no secret the drought has taken its toll on the crop. And so right now we're deciding, is there any forage to be grazed? How hard can we graze it? Do we have a wheat crop that's going to be making it to grain? That's going to be a field-by-field basis for most of us in the district. So... I mean, some of us got some of those fall rains. We still have some wheat pasture out there. Uh, but even, you know, you get up into Grant County and then west of Enid, it just gets worse and worse as you get up to the Panhandle and it gets really worse. We still have some wheat that still hasn't sprouted. And so there's kind of a gamut out there of holding on to very poor. And majority of the crops is fair to poor right now. Yeah. That's an interesting thing. You talk about the the crop that hasn't even sprouted yet. It seems like, especially with people who aren't as familiar with farming, I always get asked vernalization questions, which is <laughs> incredibly interesting. That, that, that the little or the people who know the least amount of wheat will also know that it needs cold weather to head. It's kind of crazy. But so, what at what point do you think we should be worried about that? I mean, we're talking about spring wheat at this point if it comes up. So, are we? Do we have enough hours, depending on the weather, to to get vernalization to happen? And we've looked at that. Uh, <clears throat> we've had some trials where, uh, even going back to Dr. Marburger, one of our previous small grain specialists, how late can we get by with stuff coming up? And so he planted some stuff back, you know, getting into March and stuff. And when we start talking about the vernalization, which are our wheat is a true winter wheat that has to go through vernalization to go reproductive. So when we look at that vernalization period, how long does that? plant need to be under freezing conditions so it can go reproductive later and that process start, starts a lot earlier than we think even if it's down in the trench in the furrow if it's taken in any water it's alive it's living it can start that vernalization process when that seed first takes in water which they call imbibing water but we've had those freezing conditions obviously our december has been overall very warm we've had those freeze events come in and I think we'll continue to have some of that with that storm coming in uh, tomorrow as we record this. But I would say as long as we still get that up and we still get a few tillers, hopefully we didn't skimp on our seeding rates. So we still have enough heads per acre out there to support a yield. But it is, as of right now, looks to be a short crop, but it doesn't take much for the cell nina to go away and we start getting those rains in the spring and the crop really turn around. Yeah, it's something I've been noticing in my weed is it still looks fairly good, but I've lost fall tillers for sure. Yeah. And then I just, in terms of yield standpoint, I keep ticking off. Well, we're definitely not in the 80 territory. So now we start going, are we 70? Are we 60? Are we 50? And we keep taking away that yield as we move on, which kind of moves us into our next topic, which is very important is top dress. Yeah. You know, if we haven't put the fertilizer out for a bumper crop, if, if we didn't put out a bunch of pre plant anhydrous or urea, uh, we're in a little bit better state because we haven't spent a bunch of money on this crop. But as we move forward, you know, all it's all going to have to do with moisture. Talk some about some 
maybe top dress pointers and you know maybe what the yield potential really is at this point the going back to the top dressing i think you and i both discussed earlier this morning we saw a lot of the top dress go out ahead of this storm that's about to happen so hopefully we have good conditions to get that incorporated typically our rule of thumb is not to apply during those freeze events during those snow events uh, two main concerns there is if we have frozen ground and as that snow thaws out we just have runoff and that nitrogen goes with the water it's mobile or it's uh, soluble in water so it moves with the water i say with as warm as our soils are any moisture we get whether that's snow or ice i think we're not going to lose much i think most of it is going to go down in the soil so i think our guys hopefully we get a big enough s snowfall or rain event to get that incorporated ideally we like to see that half inch of rain uh, which snow, I think what they say, 10 inches of snow equals about an inch of rain. So if temperatures are at freezing. <laughs> yeah. and Depends on how fluffy the snow is. If yeah. it's colder, if you got yeah. real cold snow, it might be less water. Moisture yeah, than that, might be yeah. a foot or a foot and a half of snow to get an inch of rain. So if we get a five inch snow, that might be worth a half inch of rain to get some of that down into the soil, down in the roots where we need it. So hoping for the best there. As far as yield potential, you know, you can go ask any crop adjuster right now for insurance they're just doing tiller counts and it doesn't take many tillers to get that yield potential to our APH and so it's really as you know as a producer of a, a wheat farmer uh, heads per square foot isn't all the big components of the yields how big is those heads how many seeds per head and certain some varieties have bigger heads than others and some of our other varieties we really need that tiller count to support that yield i know some of these varieties pretty small heads but it makes up for it because we have more heads per square foot or acre and so our variety is going to be a big component this year i think but just because we have fewer tillers than typical at this point of the year i'd say our yield potential is still there as long as we have a viable plant digging up those plants i know we don't have a very good root system under it right now just because those roots haven't had any moisture to grow through. I know some guys thinking, well, we have some moisture down deep, maybe we'll grind or find it, but those roots aren't going to grow through dry soil to find moist soil. We really need that moisture to get that roots down to our good, our better subsoil. Yeah, if you ever try to plant a tree, you know that. Yeah, the roots don't look for moisture. <laughs> no, you can't, yeah. you can't hardly keep them alive. But yeah, as an educator, we talk about wheat and investing in wheat, and oftentimes I get frustrated. I just it seems like a farmer will spend all of their time either trying to be an insurance adjuster or figuring out what they can get out of paying for in a crop. You know, we're always, we're looking at it from what can I do without, or what, what can I, what, what should I not do? And instead being a good manager and deciding, well, how can I help this crop? What can I do to be positive? Yeah. Like you said, it, I mean, it, it looks bleak now, but solid rains in April can make all the difference on head size and, and that wheat has a good job of flexing head size and kernel counts and things like that to make up for it. So I, we've come this far. Why give up on it now? Yeah. I mean, if, if we've got the opportunity for moisture and we have live plants, that's one thing. There are some farms that have been grazed heavily and I think that we might be dead or it's, it's on life number eight. I mean, it is, it's gone from blue to kind of a, almost a bluish gray color and it looks awful. So obviously you have to really look at every single field and make a determination on how much value is still there and what you can get away with. But uh, thinking again, along those lines, if our wheat hasn't come up yet, 
if we don't get the rains, you know, what are some other options in terms of crops or or looking forward? Do we just when when do you decide to terminate that wheat in, in your experience? Well, what's the key date for our insurance? March fifteenth. Well, you can short rate March fifteenth. Yeah. So a lot of guys are deciding: do we just graze it out? Do we try and make a hay crop out of it if we do get some rains? Uh, do we terminate it, go to the summer crop? Do we go to a forage crop? I mean, there's a lot of decisions to be made and it's all going to depend on that farm operation. So there's a lot of solutions, but no solution is going to work until we get that moisture. All right. And the other thing to think about is, oh, last Friday, the wheat, wheat price closed above $8. Now, yeah. That's not cash price, but that's that's on the board. And inputs are high. I understand that. And the weather outlook isn't that great. But eight dollar wheat will cover up a lot of problems, and it sure beats three fifty wheat that that we've dealt with in the past. So again, you have people: can I afford to fertilize? Well, you have almost double the wheat price that we've had in the past decade at various times. You know, the fertilizer may have gone up three times. You know, so there's still there's options there. You just have to be a really solid manager and think about the trade offs and being smart with those inputs. I think this year is also, if you have your own sprayer and the means to split top dress applications could be a good option. You know, if you, I think I have about 30 pounds of actual nitrogen out there right now that I put on right before planting. And that's all that I have invested so far. I really need to put out more, but yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to go for that 60 bushel yield just quite yet, but certainly 30 is in the books in my opinion. And all it takes is one good rain and everything can turn around. So I just encourage people to look at it from that standpoint. Switching gears some here before we wrap this up, you know, there's been a lot of interesting things happening in, in world markets. Can you can you give some of those to me that you've heard? <laughs> I'll leave that all up to you. Oh, okay. Dana, have you heard any interesting topics across Europe that might be of interest to the wheat crop? Oh, well, uh, there's something going on in Russia, I there's think. There's something going on there's in Russia. There's something little <laughs> thing going on. <laughs> Sorry I haven't brought you in. No, it's point, okay. But... No, you guys are the experts. <laughs> this is the expert wheat discussion. If it doesn't involve four legs, I'm having trouble. <laughs> well, but it certainly does, and we'll talk about that in another episode. But whenever, whenever we think about what's going on in Russia and potential invasion into Ukraine, that's just the breadbasket of the world. And anything that's going to disrupt trade in that region is going to influence the wheat price. Now, what we've seen happening to the wheat price recently is maybe 20 cents down, maybe 20 cents up, maybe unchanged. And it's just real choppy trade going on. And I've had some producers asking if they should be forward contracting. I've, I've forward contracted as I've bought inputs. You know, I think, well, if I'm going to buy really expensive fertilizer, I need expensive wheat to pay for that. So I'll try to lock that in. That's gotten a little dicey here thinking about, you know, potential yield conditions and things like that. So again, I'm absolutely not comfortable with forward contracting more than my insurance guarantee. If you have revenue crop insurance, you have that, that guaranteed revenue per acre. Make sure you're not forward contracting more than that amount in case something happens where you, you have a lost crop and you can't actually deliver those bushels. Because if we lose the U.S. crop over a pretty decent area, even though the U.S. doesn't matter, we hear that all the time, the U.S. doesn't matter because we're such a small player. <laughs> what are we, 10% or something? Uh, seven, usually. Seven. So yeah. what is Russia then? Like the... That is a great question that okay. I don't have an answer I'm to. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I, I'll be honest, like, I, Ukraine 
is a lot larger than what I originally thought. I have become, I've started looking at the maps and trying to determine, you know, what is going on here? What's the big deal? Seems like a lot of speculation. So I was curious. Yeah, you know, if you what? want to talk about the former Soviet Union, well, your majority of your wheat production worldwide comes from that region. Okay. But there's, you know, a the Black of... Sea region as a whole mm -hmm. produces a lot of wheat, Ukraine being one of them, which, you know, leaving politics out of it yeah. you know the food part of that region is very important to mm -hmm. several countries in that vicinity so it's not it's not a small thing and and those countries are very important in terms of our food supply so that's why you see all of this unrest and of course who knows what's going to happen you know information coming out of those countries during peacetime is subject to debate and scant yeah right <laughs> yeah and, and getting it is very difficult you know we, We'll probably know more about how good their crop is, but we won't know a whole lot about exactly what trade is going to do. So I would just say remain calm. Uh, there's good footing underneath this market. The wheat price is, is where it needs to be, in my opinion. But what we won't understand is the effect of those black swan events and things like that. So as you spend money on the crop, try to contract the crop. But I wouldn't get real interested in jumping out there at 100% or something and, and worrying about the bottom falling out of it. Because if things stay peaceful, the price was high before all this tension came into it. So theoretically, you would think that the prices would would remain based on a supply and demand issue. Uh, if we if something does happen negatively and Russia would invade Ukraine or something like that, well, then you would definitely see a lot of unrest in markets and and concern about the price or the, the availability of wheat and subsequently the price would likely go up in that situation so it's kind of a win-win for us over here uh, at the moment in terms of, of wheat prices globally that is a very bad situation that we can hope gets resolved mm -hmm. so but, you're saying there's a chance for a ten dollar wheat there's always a chance. Oh my always goodness. <laughs> there's always a chance. And we have a lot more problems than just things well, if that happens. What's crazy whenever you start talking about $10 wheat or it's been as high as 14 in the past. Yeah. And your mind as a farmer completely changes. Instead of running a business, you start playing the lottery. And if wheat goes to ten dollars, I'll be a sad individual because I've contracted too much. <laughs> and, and hence, you, hence, Josh, and, he will shut his door and not talk to us for two weeks. And you'll always hear people, "Well, what, what's wrong with seven fifty wheat?" Because I have some some wheat contracted right around that seven fifty level. I was like, "What's wrong with seven fifty wheat? It's eight dollars today. That's what's wrong with it." Three years ago, I would have been ecstatic. I'd have been the smartest person alive if I was able to to contract that price. So it all depends on where you are and. You know, you, we've spent so many years here in the past just trying to save our farm, just trying to make sure we break even. Then you try to make up ground. You hope that you can pay off some of those bills. And then once you get to a certain level, maybe that eight, nine dollar, once you get above that range, you're talking about farm changing marketing potential if you would have a, a bumper crop. Now, of course, if we raise a 10 bushel wheat crop, nobody's gonna be excited no matter what the price is. But if you have that average 30, 40 bushel crop, so then at that point, you can start really making ground and make investments in your farm. So that's where you see people get really scared as well. If I if I contract too soon, I miss out on the opportunity to expand into maybe a new tractor or get a new pickup or something like that. And and that's a very real concern. And that weighs on your mind, especially in this business where you're oftentimes you're scraping by. But I just try to keep in mind with people that, you know, risk is all about exposure. And if you think about 
leaving a portion of that crop, the portion that you don't need to break even unpriced. You know, that's that's the lottery ticket in the background that maybe you can take advantage of a price increase or inevitably when the price does come back down, if you have all of your bases covered, then if that you lose money on that extra portion, you're not necessarily going to get hurt. Well, what else? Speechless. Speechless. Yeah. Well, it is just, that's kind of, that's a lot of good topics for now. I mean, when we're talking about the wheat market, if anybody has questions about marketing wheat or, or the current state of affairs, uh, feel free to reach out. Uh, coming up, we do have one more thing. I'm done with you all, but one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have ARC and PLC sign up, and a lot of producers have already uh, made those elections, ARC and PLC from the Farm Bill. You know, PLC protects uh, from low price, below 550, and that price can increase depending on uh, marketing conditions. But in general, we'll probably see producers moving over to ARC because it's a revenue type program and the wheat price is so much above 550. What I will caution is in 2014, whenever I started cutting my teeth in extension talking about Farm Bill, it was a similar situation to where it is now, where we were plenty above 550. Didn't think the price was going to go down, and it has a way of, of doing that. <laughs> Difference is now we're able to sign up in those programs yearly instead of a five-year decision. So you can make your decision this year. If the wheat price does go down, we can get back in PLC for the next crop year if you need to. So nothing to stress too much about, in my opinion, but it is sitting out there, a decision that has to be made. And if you've already made it and you're comfortable with it, I wouldn't rush to the FSA office to change it, but you do have some time, again, to, to evaluate those decisions. I would say anything above marketing, the best thing to improve your price at the elevator is having clean wheat. You agree Dockage and FM always. Yeah. We always talk about cash price and that, but what is the farmer actually getting paid? Yeah. I do hear a lot of complaints about that. <laughs> they so, always say that they stole their <laughs> price at the elevator. But. So now you're asking me to spend more money on my wheat crop. Thanks for that. So Josh. you're talking yeah. herbicide, right? No. Well, you told me I had some money to spend, so I might as well have a, a good product to sell. Yeah. Well, you know, are we raising forage or are we raising grain? Because right now we're raising forage. <laughs> not, very, to. not very much. <laughs> <laughs> and we're doing a poor job of it at that. And, and yeah, so keep that in mind. There are some options for herbicide applications later in the year. And, and those weeds are competing for moisture. They always are. And it doesn't seem like it, but... In my opinion, too, one important thing to think about is if you're going to go out with a herbicide application, you think your wheat crop might fail, think about how that will affect summer crops. Yeah. If you go out with a finesse or something like that, you're going to have to make special selections in terms of crop choice and genetics and, and technologies and to be able to plant crops after that. So always keep that in mind as well. With that, I'm done with you for the second time. Uh, thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about any of these topics, feel free to reach out to us. And with that, we'll catch you next time.